0: We've been looking together, haven't we, at this uh, this series that we're doing on eyes and based on this passage from Eph- Ephesians 6:12. And we've been saying together that that in the Bible it talks about the spiritual realm and the physical realm, and we've been trying to unpack what that really means for us. And I'm not going to go through it all again, but basically there's two realms. And the Elohim are the general sort of Hebrew term for the, those the spirit beings that reside in the spiritual realm and humanity in the physical realm. And both have been given a task by God. But God said to us in Genesis 1.28, this is what I want you to do. Go and be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. In other words, he, he said to us, I want you to be my images throughout the world. Right? I want you to go and take what you see in Eden, that harmony and that balance, and I want you to go and, in a sense, put that everywhere. Go and take my presence everywhere. Go and bring that harmony and that balance to everywhere on the earth. Go and be my, my image. The rule there is not the rule that says we've got the right to in a sense, rape the earth and do what we like with it. it, is a rulership that is within limits of what God wants us to do. He said, I've given you the authority to go and do so that you can fulfill what I'm asking you to fulfill, right? He said, we've taken that and we said, that means that we can rule. That means we can do whatever we like. And we see the consequences of that everywhere we go in the world today. And we looked uh, last week at the people of Israel that come just into the, the promised land. And I said, like, uh, there was expanded. So God sent this people because we messed up. And so God said, I'm going to make for myself a people, the people of Israel. And they're going to be, in a sense, Israel will be like Eden. So everybody will look at Israel. And he said on Mount Gerizim, uh, Mount Ebal, he said, if you, if you obey me, and this is Deuteronomy 28. He said, I'm going to give you all these blessings. So the blessings will be just like the Eden blessings. I'm going to send rain. I'm going to send, you know, like uh, your crops will be abundant. Like you will fill the earth and subdue it and everything else. But if you disobey me, and they, they stood on the top of these two uh, hills here, and they shouted. One side they shouted the blessings if for obedience, and the other side they shouted over the cursings if they disobeyed. And he said, if, if, you, if you don't do what I'm asking you to do, there's going to be consequences to this. And last week we looked at this, uh, verse 9, Deuteronomy 28. He said, the Lord will establish you as His holy people, as He promised you on oath, if you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to Him. Verse 10, that all peoples on earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they will fear you. And we said last week that we are holy. I told you to say it to yourselves every day. Anybody do that? Did you wake up in the morning and say, "I am holy"? Did you forget about your holiness? Did you not look in the mirror every morning and go, "Man, I'm holy"? No? What, what did you think about when you... No, don't answer that question. Right? Say it to yourself now. I am holy. Okay. Say it to the person sitting next to you or around you. I am holy. Say it. You are holy. Okay, right? We are holy. Why? Because the Bible says so. Right? It's not me that's telling you this. Well, I am telling you this. But I'm only telling you because the Bible says so. That you are holy. Now, I know this is a bit of a leap for some people, right? So I'm instead of moving on in this series to where we were going to go to, we're going to stop here for the day. And I really want to hammer this home. We looked at these verses last week, Exodus 3:5. That's where Moses in the burning bush, and he says, take off your sandals because where you're standing is holy ground. Why was it holy? Because God was there in the bush, right? And he says, don't come any closer. You can't get too close to my holiness. Why? Because God is holy, holy, holy. Right? You're not that holy. You're just one times holy, right? God is Holy, holy, holy. God is so holy that you, you have to be careful when you approach God. Because He's so separate. He's so set apart that you can't just come walking in as though it's commonplace. But He says, you're holy. And don't forget it. Exodus uh, 19. We won't go through these. We went through them last week. But they reminded us what it means to be holy. And holy means that we are set apart we're unique that's what it means right not that you are perfect look at the person next to you and say you're not perfect right you know that you can see that in their faces right you can tell they're not perfect that's not what holy means right god is perfect but he's also holy right and we've got in our heads that holiness means perfection right when in Leviticus 11.44 where it says, be holy for I am holy, we think that means be perfect because God is perfect, right? That's not what it means. It means be, be separate, be unique, be, be, be completely different just as God is completely different. Let's look at it today. And last week we said that it first has to come with belief and then the law was given to show how to do it. And the problem with belief and law is that you have to have it that way around. That belief and faith must come before law. Because if law comes first, what do you get? Religion. Where law comes above faith, you get religion. You've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. And the Bible says, no, you do the things because you have the relationship. David, as we said last week, he broke most of the law, but he was considered a man after God's own heart. Why? Because he had ultimately had that faith and that relationship with God. And even though he messed up and he committed adultery and he murdered and he, he was not a good guy in many ways. But the saving thing about David was that his belief in God never wavered. He knew who God was and he trusted in God. And God said, there's a guy after my heart, right? He's not half-hearted. Yeah, he messes up, but he's he's not half-hearted. Always, always check that your relationship comes over the law. Comes over what we can do, what we can't do, and so on. You are holy. But let's look at this a bit deeper today. You see, in 1 Peter 2, 9, and 10, Peter repeated the same thing. You have received mercy. Let me go back. Say this with me. But you are, okay, rather than you, put I am, right? But I am a chosen person, a royal priest, a holy nation, God's special possession. Say it again. I am a chosen person, a royal priest, part of a holy nation, God's special possession. We're going to look at that today because that's what it means to be holy. Think about that for a minute. What does that mean to you? How? It describes how we're to be holy. First, it says we're chosen. Omar, could you, could you do something for me? Could you go and get me a glass of water? Sorry, I forgot to bring some. Thank you. What does chosen mean? It means what I just did for Oma, right? I did that because I didn't bring water and I don't want a glass of water. but now does that mean that Oma is more special than any of you? Could have I said, I could have said, Janet, would you mind going and get me a cup of water? And Janet would have gone and got me a cup of water, right? Sheila, would you mind getting me a cup of water? You know? I could have asked any of you to go get me a cup of water and you would have probably gone and got me a cup of water, right? Somehow, in our heads, we think chosen means that other people are less special than I am. This is not the school playground where you were lined up and some were chosen and some were not, right? Just because God says you are a chosen people, it means that you're chosen because I've got something for you to do. It doesn't make you more special than anybody else. It doesn't make Everybody else somehow inferior to you because you have been chosen. It means that God has looked and said, I want this person to do a particular role for me. That's what it means. You're chosen. You are a chosen people. The people of Israel in some senses are not more special than anyone else. It's just that God has chosen them for a particular purpose. He's chosen them for a reason, and he said, you know what, you're going to be my, my chosen people because I want you to do something for me. And in the same way, the people, of, the people of, of God, us believers in Jesus Christ, thank you so much. That's awesome. No, that's wonderful. Thank you. In the same way, we are chosen by God. Now that doesn't mean to say you strut around, hey, I'm chosen, you're not chosen. It just means that God has handpicked certain people to fulfil a particular function. Just as I asked Omar to go and get me a cup of water. We're chosen by God to fulfil a function. Now, what is that function that we have to fulfil? Well, it says we need to be a royal priesthood. Well, what does that mean? Well, firstly, it's split into two. One it's royal. Royal means that you have authority, right? The queen has authority. Prince Boris has authority, right? Okay, he's not royal, but... Okay, the members of the royal family have a certain degree of authority over them. I used to work in government, and I used to uh, be involved with, with some of the royal family. Not the top royal, but the... Anyway, you can't just go walking in to the royal palace, right? You used to have to go to St. James's and other places like that. You have to have permission. You, have to, you can't just waltz up to the gate and say, I'm, I'm here to see His Royal Highness the Duke of Gloucester, as I used to work with. You can't just walk in. They go like, who are you? Why? Because he's got authority. He's got influence, right? You you have to get permission. They check you on the list and went, oh yeah, okay. Yep, you're down for today. Okay, come in. You can come in. And then they escort you because you look dodgy. So they escort you to where you've got to go and you you know you have to go in and then they You know, it's fine. But we are royal because we belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We have the authority that's given by him. Matthew 28, Jesus said, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Now I'm going to give it to you. Now go. Right? But we're also a priesthood. And a priest is a go-between I am your priest right don't ever call me that but that's what I am which means I'm a kind of a go-between so I go between you and God and God and you think about communion you can't administer communion because I've been ordained to do that right so what do i do i have to come up here because this bit's more holy than any other bit we know that right that's why the barriers are here you know in, in certain churches that's true right not not in our church but in certain churches there's barriers here and if they're not in there they rope it off and only the priests can come up here why and, and in a lot of churches you'll see this part of the the roof and everything will be way more ornate than where the rest of the people sit why because it's more holy because the The altar is up here, and this is special. And this is where we do communion, or the Eucharist, or the Mass, and only certain people can do that because they've been ordained to do that. Why? Because they're a go-between. And they go between God and the people, and the people and God. And that's the role that God has given for them, as that go-between. But you are a royal priest not just me all of you which means what well it first means that you have to pray the go-between means that we pray that that I pray for you and lift your concerns to God but also that I listen to God's voice on your behalf and I share it with you. That's what a priest does. So when when I know that some people are not well, they're in hospital, what do I do? I get on my knees and I say, Lord, I'm going to intercede on their behalf. I want to pray for them. When I know certain people are struggling, what do I do? I get on my knees and I say, Lord, please come and help them because they're struggling with this area. Or, Or they're going on holiday and I say, Lord, please just... Grant them safe passage on holiday and bring them safely back and give them a restful time and a wonderful time, right? That's what a priest does. You pray. Jeremiah twenty-nine. This is where the people of, were, of Israel were in exile. Let me read it to you. This is you know the famous verse in Jeremiah twenty-nine. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the laws Right? That one, Jeremiah twenty-nine eleven. But before that, he says this in verse nine. Sorry, in verse 7, I was looking at verse 9, and thinking that's not the right verse. Verse 7, he says, uh, when they're in, uh, in, 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 uh, in exile, he says this, Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for if it prospers, you too will prosper. He's saying, here they are in Babylon, and he's saying, pray for Babylon. You are my holy people, and I want you to pray for the place where I have put you, that it will prosper. We need to pray for the prosperity of Harrow, or of Kenton, or of Wildstone, wherever you live, of, of Stanmore, or Northolt, wherever, or Northwood. We pray for it. We pray for our streets. We pray for the prosperity. Why? Because we are the priest that's been sent into that location. Pray for your street. Because you are the priest that God has sent into that street. Pray for your university because you're the priest that God has sent into your university. Pray for your place of work because you're the priest that God has sent into your place of work. You are, if you are holy, this is the holy bit. You've been set apart for purpose and the purpose is to be a priest. Pray. Lift the concerns to God. Listen to God's response, and respond back. One Timothy two. This is Paul's words to t- Timothy, as his uh, let me find it. One Timothy, as his young minister in the word. One Timothy chapter two. He says this: I urge you then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone for kings and all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness this is good and pleases God our savior who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth right this is our role as a priest to pray for the things that are around us where he's placed us pray for his church at trinity god responds to prayer where there is no prayer there is no response simple as that you want to see god moving in your life you want to be holy you want to be that channel that will be directly proportional to the amount of time you spend in prayer when you pray for your family pray for your church pray for me Pray pray for the city that you live in, the street that you live in. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for your family. Pray to God as a priest. Lord, they may not pray, right? How many believers live in your street? Probably not that many. But God has placed you there to lift their concerns to him, the ones that you know. You, you see a garden that's overgrown down there. You pray for that. You might not even know who's living there, but Lord, you know they're struggling because their garden's a mess at the front. Or Lord, you see you see a an ambulance come or something happen, right? Lord, I'm going to pray for that, that 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 house. You pray. Just keep praying. That's your role. And your second role is this: to teach. To teach. The Word of God, Deuteronomy 6, it says, Parents, I want you to teach your children, right? Help them to remember all the stories. Make it so that they can't forget it. Write it. Write it down everywhere. Put it up everywhere so that they remember it. It's your responsibility to teach your children. Joshua eight, he says, I want you to meditate on the Word and let it, let it speak out of your mouth. Let it be on your tongue, the Word of God. We have to teach Matthew 28. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Now go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything. Your role is to teach the Word of God to people around you. I teach you. You teach them. I'm not doing this just for your benefit. I do this so that you can go and take what you learn take what you read from the Word of God and your responsibility is to teach other people the Word of God. So when you're sitting in costas having a coffee with someone you're thinking, Word of God in every conversation what's what's God's opinion on this? How, How can I bring in the Word? You don't have to necessarily explain the whole Word to them, but you can speak to them from the knowledge that you have of the Word of God and you impart it to them. You teach them Christian truth That's your role. You thought coming to church on Sundays was all for you. It's not. It's so that you may be empowered to go and fulfill your role. Because you are holy. Set apart. And this is what you are set apart to do. To pray and to teach. To be a priest. For the people around you. Because where else will they hear it? You think about non-Christian people that you know. Where else are they going to hear the Word of God? If you don't teach them. Where else are they going to be prayed for? Unless you pray for them. Where else is God going to have an open channel to flow into their lives unless you are that open channel for them? You. Are a priest because God has made you holy he set you apart for a particular role to be a holy to be chosen you are a chosen people a royal priesthood thirdly we're a holy nation we're a set apart people which means that we don't do this on our own It's not just about me and God and me and these people. It's about us all together. We're set apart together. There are so many passages of Scripture that that speak about this. In Ephesians 2 verse 10, I think I put it up. It says, we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know the Greek for that word, handiwork, or we are God's workmanship? The Greek is poema, from which we get poem. Poem with an A on the end. You are God's poem. Isn't that beautiful? God's writing a poem. You, you are his poem. He, he's scribing it out. You know, poems are beautiful, aren't they? They're crafted. They're, they're carefully worded. You don't waste words in a poem, do you? Every word has kind of an impact on all the other words in a poem. Good poem, anyway. And they all work together to bring pictures and and to bring it to life. And and it's saying, that's what you are. As you go about being a royal priest, God is going to bring his beauty through you as he crafts it through your life. Isn't that beautiful? Because you're a holy nation. 1 Corinthians chapter uh, chapter 12 talks about it as well, doesn't it? That we've been given many, many gifts and they all work together. You can't say it. Remember the parts of the body. If I'm not a foot, you can't say to it, yeah, I don't need you because we need all the different parts. And so the Bible is full of examples of how we would need to work together. And Jesus said it too in, uh, in John 15. He said, he said to us, By this we'll all know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That it's as you love each other, as the nation loves each different part of the nation, as you recognize that you're not just set apart, but that we're all set apart then we start to see the kingdom of God being manifested. We're a holy, a set-apart group of people, a nation, that needs to work together to bring that priesting, that role of a priest into the communities in which we live. You're not to do it on your own. You to do it with the support and the encouragement and the interrelationship of everybody that's why church is here if if you were just to do it on your own you wouldn't need church i hear of people that talk to me all the time and they say you know well i i'm a believer in jesus christ but I, i don't go to church and i can't figure that one out because i'm thinking you can't you can't fulfill the role as a, as a disciple of Jesus Christ without working through church, without working through one another. Whether we like it or not, we're all in this together. I have to love you. You have to love me. And we know how tough that is. But it's what we have to do. We have to love one another because by this will people know that you're my disciples. We have to bring Eden into the kingdom here before we take it out to the kingdom there. So we need each other. We're a holy nation. And lastly, it says we're a special, God's special possession. We're God's possession. Why? Well, 1 Corinthians 6 says we were bought at a price. John 15, he says, you didn't choose choose me. I chose you. You know, I think our thinking is so often wrong. We often think that we become Christians. You don't. You know what happens? God scans around the whole of his creation and he says, I'm going to choose you and you and you and you and you and, you, and you're and you going to be my church. But you're going to be my church. I'm going to choose you, but I'm choosing you for purpose. Just the way I chose Omer to go and ask to get me a cup of water. He says, I'm going to choose each of you to fulfill a particular function, a role. That's why you're a believer in Jesus Christ. He says, you didn't choose me. I chose you you don't choose christ christ chooses you enables his holy spirit to come on you to give you an encounter with him so that you can then become a channel of his grace into all the other people that god wants to choose but he decides to speak to them through you why because you're holy you're set apart for a particular purpose you understand no am i speaking to myself here that's who we are god has handpicked you and said sheila you're the exact person that i want in your street in this church in the bowls club in everywhere you go you are my channel you are my priest I want I want to flow through you. I want you to be the conduit of the Spirit of God so that everybody will see who I am. You are holy. You've been set apart for this function. Tim, I'm going to choose you. Serge, I'm going to choose you. Elaine, I'm going to choose you. Right? Donna, I'm going to choose you to be that person in the spheres that you have, in the relationships that you have, right? Because we all have different relationships, right? We all know people that others of us don't know. We all have different interests and different groups that we belong to. We all see different people. We, we all have different places that we go. We all have different families. And he said, I'm going to choose you to be that conduit into them. I don't need to choose them all because if I choose one, they can make all the difference so i'm choosing you i mean you think you chose me but no so before the world was created i chose you i chose you to go and do that function the question is are you being a priest are you really doing the job are you really holy he said, You are holy. But are you living it? Are you being what it means to be holy? Are you I could have asked Omar and Omer just go, Yeah, sure, and just sat there. Right? That's like most of us as believers in churches, isn't it? She just sat there and I'd still be waiting for me me beautiful glass of water. What good is that? I'm still thirsty. And I'm going, yeah, yeah, I'll get you what do do? It's fine. But if there's no end product, what good is it? And if as a church there's no end product, if we're not, you know, if our streets are not being prayed for, what good is it being set apart if we're not doing the job? If I was set apart as a, as a pastor of this church, and if I don't turn up on Sundays, and I go, no, no, I'd rather be paddling. It's a nice day out there. I'll go paddling down the timbers. I'll, I'll, you know, you'll be all right. You, you can just look after yourself. What good is it? If I don't teach you from the Word of God, what good is it? No, well I know. You don't need to know. I know. That's good enough, isn't it? If I don't pray for you, what good is it? Yeah, I, I you know, I, I know that, you know that because she's sitting there but I know that Sheila's struggling with this, that and the other right but if I'm not praying for her what good is it knowing? It's no good saying well God knows yeah, of course he knows but he's asked me to be the priest the priest that's on my knees saying Lord please let me, let me show you as we close book of Daniel you know it's amazing how God does these things isn't it? I was I was out yesterday. I was paddling on the Thames up near Clevedon. It was beautiful. And then I, I pulled over to the side, and uh, these little ducks came swam, swimming over. And I'm thinking, Lord, how, how do I, what is it you want me to say tomorrow? And then I did my Bible reading, and it was from Daniel, and it was the very thing that I needed to say to you so I wrote it in Daniel chapter 9 Daniel's in exile right Daniel spends most of his life he's over in, in Babylon and, and Persia and so on and in Daniel chapter 9 verse 2 and 3 it says that in the first year of Darius son of Xerxes the Mede blah, 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 right chapter 2 in the first year of the reign I Daniel understood from the scriptures according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years Verse 3, so I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and in ashes. So Jeremiah, the prophet, has told everybody there's going to be 70 years of desolation of Israel, right? They've come in, they've sacked it, they're in exile. Jerusalem is in a mess. Walls are all broken down. Everything is disaster. What does Daniel do? He doesn't just say, oh, Lord, really sad about no jerusalem he's on his knees and he's he's pleading with god and he's fast and he's giving up food and he's wearing rubbish clothes and he's kind of doing everything that he can do to plead with god to say god this is your city don't don't do this don't do this change your mind do something and he's and he's praying to god with all that he's got and then you then you read the prayer and then skipping down to verse 20, it says, While I was speaking and praying, listen to what he was saying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, Jerusalem. While I was still in prayer, Gabriel, not just any old angel, God sends the top guy, right? Gabriel, the man I had seen in my earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of evening sacrifice. He said, he instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. Listen to this, verse 23. As soon as you began to pray, an answer was given, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Daniel knew what it was to be a priest. He wasn't a priest but he was a priest. He wasn't ordained as a priest, but he acted as a priest. He prayed for the people and he taught them what God had told him. And that is the role for you and me. And listen to what happens. Because he was so sincere, because he took that role seriously, because he knew he was holy, God responded by sending the archangel Gabriel to bring him messages because he says hey you're doing the job you do your part let me do mine Serge, can you come and play for a minute please i want you to close your eyes and i want you to think right now think about the street picture the street in which you live go on close your eyes if you doze off it's fine you're in church Right? No better place to go to sleep. I'm cool with that. I'll wake you up when we lock up, right? Close your eyes. Picture the street you live in. I want you to picture your neighbours. Either side, top, bottom, wherever they are. Do you know do you know some of the issues in your street? Do you know some of the people and some things that they're facing? Be a priest. Lift them to God right now. Just to yourself, say, Lord, I'm going to intercede for these people. Does your neighbour know Jesus? And be on your knees and say, Lord, they need to come to know you. Lord, their life would be so much better if they knew you, the rock on which they can build their life think about your family what are the needs in your family the people that don't have jobs are there people that are struggling with sickness and illness you are their priest you might be the only one that family has got That you would heal the sickness and reveal yourself in the process. Lord, that where there are needs, you would come in and you would meet those needs so that your name may be glorified. And that people would see you as the loving God that you are, a God that cares. children in your family, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. Pray for them that they will grow up knowing Jesus. What about the town in which we live in, Harrow? see people stuck on drugs or alcohol. We see people begging on the streets. We see lots of people that have so much and some that have so little. We hear about break-ins and fights and goodness knows what else. Lord, we need to pray for prosperity as Daniel prayed bring prosperity to the place that we live but there will be no one in want no one in need Some of us today need to repent, just as Daniel said. While I was repenting for my sin and the sin of my people, Lord, we confess that we haven't been priests. Lord, we come to church for me. I want to be filled. You've given me all the authority to do it. You've given me everything I need, but God, I confess, I don't spend the time to do it. I have other priorities, and Lord, for that, forgive me. Let me be a priest for you. I love to see the difference in people's lives. I love to see the difference in my neighbors, in my family, and my friends in the people that I hang out with, in people that I meet, in the town, in the city where we live, across London, I'd love to see the difference. Lord, make me a priest, a royal priest that gives you the glory as you flow through me. Father, today as priests, we pray for people we know who are struggling in body, mind, or spirit. People from this church. And some that are in hospital, we pray for them. Bring your healing and your wholeness and bring them home. Some that just struggle with aches and pains and they put a brave face on it, but really it's it's tough. Lord, bring healing and wholeness and encouragement and And just lift them up today into your presence. Bring that healing touch of your Holy Spirit, the oil of anointment on them. That they may be well and able to serve you with all of their heart and their soul and their mind and their strength. Because they're not encumbered with these other things. Father, thank you. We thank you that you have ordained us to be priests, royal priests, that we have been chosen, not because we're more special, but just because you choose certain people to flow through to impact others. May we live up to the role that you have called us to as we serve you. For we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen.